0: And the following underwriters. peek moose Restaurant on State Route 28 in Big Indian with farm-to-table cuisine Thursday through Monday. Indoor dining from 4 to 9 p.m. Takeout till 10. Peekamoose.com or 845-254-6500, 845-254-6500 the american forest foundation designed to support sustainable forest management improved wildlife habitat a healthy environment the harvest of high quality timber and increased carbon storage through the family forest carbon program Available to wooded area landowners in the Catskills and throughout New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and Vermont. The American Forest Foundation. Details about the Family Forest Carbon Program at familyforestcarbon.org. You're listening to WIOX Roxbury, New York. Community radio in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM. Serving Roxbury, Margaretville, Halkettsville, Halkett Center, Hobart, Gilboa, Conesville, Stanford, South Court, Wright, North Blenheim, Fultonham, Hemsco, Middleburg, Pine Hill, Highmount, Shandaken, Fleischman, Venetia, Jefferson, Huntersville, Wyndham, Watsonville, Meredith, East Meredith, Meridale, Big Indian, Butts Corner, Kelly's Corner, Bovine and Grand Gorge, Andy's, Arkville, Drybrook, Breaka Bean, Barkaboom, Arena, Prattsville, Downsville, Summit, New Kingston, Denver, Vega, and everywhere else at WIOXradio.org. <music>
1: Listening to WIOX Community Radio Live and Local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC. Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXRadio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest related topic with Ryan and John. John, how's it going?
2: Things are good, Ryan. What's up? What have you been up to? Hunting. Yeah. Uh, I heard you got a bear. I did. I got a bear and I got a really big doe. Big fat doe. <laughs> Dude, uh, I've heard of bigger, but this is my personal best, 118 pounds. Nice. It's like 120 is the benchmark, man. Like you got a giant if it's over 120. I don't care who, around here. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, Excellent. Yeah, it was fun. I had to drag her uphill to gain 200 feet of elevation. That That sucked. Oh, man. All by myself.
1: Yeah. All by myself.
2: <laughs> All
1: by my... No. Yeah. How about you? I, I got a buck. Um, you know, medium seven-pointer for my last day, because I'm going... on. Um, believe it or not, I'm going to Florida Sunday for a week <laughs> and a half with the kids and family to my in-laws down there. So I really needed to get one, and uh, I got one Monday. Great. And that's... Yeah that's that should do it that should do it that's three i needed to get a, a lot this year to, to fill that freezer um the kids are eating they're growing so cool. i don't think i'm gonna get three every year but the first two aren't the biggest deer it's hard to find a big deer
2: so i needed three awesome yeah i think i'm fairly well set though i would take a buck if i found one
1: yeah, of course you would
2: Amen. <laughs> there's uh, always room for one more, right? Yeah. I mean, that that bear was a surprise, though. That's not something I yeah. was thinking I'd bring home yeah. the other day, but I was happy. Happy as a clam. Happy as a clam, yeah. That's right. Well, I got it hanging right now, and hopefully I
1: can skin it tomorrow. It's going to warm up, get around 47 degrees, so hopefully I can get the
2: hide off, because I really want that hide. But um, we shall find out. Um, saving my dough for CFA's dough pro- or deer processing workshop December 9th so if you wanna Jeez. see how big it is and uh, see it get cut up, hanging it till then yeah, eleven days
3: yeah,
1: nice yep that should be good. Um, well, tonight's topic is early black bear hunting with Nate Loda and he um I met this guy in the middle of nowhere while I was on my camping trip this September while he was uh hunting early black bear hunting season in the catskills he is i also found out though he's also an american realist oil painter loda received an mfa degree from george mason university in 2015 and a bfa in painting from shepherd university in shepherdstown west virginia in 2011 lives and works though in. um Over there by, I think, Syracuse. It's near there. Homer, New York, where he paints full-time in his home studio with wife and three girls. And it turns out he's also a bear hunter, I guess, huh? Hey, Nate, how you doing?
4: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
1: (laughs) We're doing okay. Where are you calling from?
4: Calling from uh, Homer, New York. They got a saying, where in the hell is Homer, New York? But. It's, uh, in New York. It's, you know, basically one mile away, but, uh, it's the crown city, right? Smack dab in the middle of geographic New York state.
1: There you go. And I, so. the first time I talked to you, I, I could hear an accent. So where are you from originally?
4: Uh, well, I'm, I'm from Virginia. Actually, I grew up, uh, in Northern Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, right in the middle of the suburbs, Fairfax County. So, I, you know, I got a lot of family down in Shenandoah Valley, Virginia, and was out there in West Virginia and down North Carolina, and so I don't know. I, I think that the kind of Southern draw has a little more romance to it, especially up here with like all Yankee accents and their hard R's and stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, I guess you're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You ever, um, you ever find ginseng down there?
4: You yeah. know. It was never really on my radar. I mean, I never really looked for it. The only times that I kind of heard about it uh, when I was in the Smoky Mountains, you know, I got real into, like, the Foxfire books, and they talk about looking for ginseng, harvesting it. But (laughs) the closest I found was, you know, Jack in the Pulpit. It was a kind of fake-looking ginseng.
1: Yeah. Uh, How did you get into – well, first of all, um, you say your family, though, is from – many generations from the Homer area, right?
4: Yeah, my sixth great-grandfather, he was in the Revolutionary War, and, uh, you know, he got a land grant to come up here and settle. It's one of the, I think, the second treaty the U.S. government ever went into with the Six Nations. and You know, as part of the, the war that, to pay veterans, they gave them land in, you know, upstate central New York. And so... My great 6th great grandfather, Thomas Goldalbert, his um, it's actually his grandson married uh, a Perry and built this house on this homestead, so it goes back to early 1800s.
1: Hmm. No kidding. And and um, how did you get into uh, the art and stuff, painting and stuff?
4: Uh, well. <laughs> Uh, you know, I I was kind of like a misled youth, you could say, at some point. And uh, my academic career in, in grade school wasn't that great. But you know, uh, when I was a kid, I I did a lot of drawing. My dad, he always helped us draw. His father, my grandfather, he got a BFA in painting from Notre Dame, and he actually went on to work at Chrysler in the automo- automobile industry as a designer. But I always just was able to kind of draw. And, uh, I was told a story that when I was in seventh grade, I had to do a book report. And at that point, I was like full blown into skateboarding. It was kind of like, you know, on the misled youth path. But, uh, I didn't want to read this book and it was a biography book, book report. But I got this book on John Lennon and it had this beautiful picture of John Lennon on it. So for my book report, I just rewrote the, you know, the, Jacket cover blurb about the book, and then I drew this portrait of John Lennon. And the teacher like gave me a B plus or something. And after the after the class, she pulled me aside. She said, "Nathan, I know you didn't read this book, but I'm going to give you this grade because of your superb drawing." And I was like, "Oh man, this drawing thing is a pretty <laughs> cool thing." <laughs> and so, I, you know, I kept drawing. And uh, when, I guess when I finished high school, I had a chance to go to school and like. You know, I, I was only kind of interested in drawing and painting, so I got accepted on an academic probation to Shepherd University, and there I went. And that kind of started my career, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was looking at, um, at your art there, and I don't normally look at much art, but I thought it was pretty good myself. Come on,
4: Ryan, you need some culture. In your I know.
1: No, I'm knuckle dragger. So. and uh but i I was i was looking at your young benjamin franklin or george washington what got you into into painting like the young versions of those guys i've never seen that before
4: Oh yeah well i mean uh i don't want to take anything from my artistic excellence or creativity but you know that was uh that was a commission i i got in i I had some work in a show in dc and met a um a designer short for a design agency and they were working on a restaurant in, in Tyson's Corner, Founding Farmer's Restaurant. And they got a couple of restaurants in D.C. And uh, I, did a, I did a painting for their hostess stand, this headless horse hostess stand. And uh, anyway... They came to me with this idea of making a contemporary version of like a hipster George Washington. Like mean, if George Washington was alive today as like a DC millennial, you know what would he <laughs> look like? And so we went back and forth, and, and they sent me. I mean, it was really fun. They sent me all these pictures of guys with man buns and you know the whole uh, get up and garb, and and uh, I did the painting, and of course you know, the artist is the most successful model. And yeah, I read George Washington was kind of, you know, good looking blonde, blue eyed guy, kind of like me. I had long (laughs) hair at the time. So I, you know, I made my man bun and, um, yeah. and, And I did that painting and that painting got, it just got a lot of media attention. Uh, you know, I had, like, talked to the Smithsonian Magazine, New York Magazine, Washington Post, ran stuff. And it, it was cool, actually. They took the painting to Mount Vernon and had this uh, Mount Vernon underground event. So they hung the painting in George Washington's cellar downstairs, which, you know, it was just fun. But uh, that led me into some other commissions working, like, with the uh, Wells Fargo Stadium in Philadelphia. And they wanted a version of, like, um, you know, a millennial hipster, Ben Franklin and Betsy Ross. <laughs> And so it was nothing that I like, you know, ever thought like, ah, you know, what would be cool? <laughs> I like, reimagine these historical figures. It was just kind of like, you know, it fell into my lap, and then yeah, I just kind of kept doing it. You know, it's really fun. I love history. I mean, I, I think history is kind of yeah plays a big role in my interest in painting and art and life uh, and culture stuff. So,
2: so who's next? You know, it worked out. <laughs>
1: young, young who? Yeah. who? Yeah, who's the young young person next? You think no one or what? Who
4: are
1: you going oh, you know, uh, Well, Biden,
4: yeah. I don't know. Young Abe Lincoln. I don't know. Well, actually, you know, I always thought like you know Teddy Roosevelt in terms <laughs> of like yeah. hunting and conservation, he would be a perfect figure. And I always thought like, ah oh, man, it'd be cool to do a painting of like Teddy Roosevelt. Like decked out in like the top of line fit good <laughs> gear, first light gear. You know, like, if he was alive today, he'd, he'd have like, yes. yeah, he'd have like the best gear. You know, and uh, it'd be a cool portrait. I love to, it. Uh, get get in touch with you know Steve Ranella and be like, hey, he's commission a painting of Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> for the uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation <laughs> Group.
3: There you go. Yeah.
2: I like it because
1: um, for me, you know, we forget that these people were young ones. You know what I mean? Like, every time we see them, yeah. they're always old. Like George Washington, you're like, oh, yeah, he was a young man at one time. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. just, I don't know. And I like history myself. So, yeah, for me, just looking, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Ben Franklin was a young man at one time. <laughs> you know? And what was that like? But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's just just gets you thinking, I think. Maybe that's what's been attractive to some people as well, not just the hipster thing looking like. But uh, I don't know.
4: Yeah, and trying just to make them relatable. You know, and, of course, they all had their baggage and, you know, but they were products of their age, you know. So you like to kind of at least, like, optimistically think if they were alive today, you know, they would, uh, I don't know, their political social ideologies would be, you know, maybe in tune with more modern concepts. But um, yeah, um I think part of it is just the visual of making them more approachable and represent, you know, representing them as contemporary people makes them, helps you think of them as, as living people, you know, and, yeah. Yeah, and all their flaws and everything else. But, yeah, it's fun. It's fun painting, fun project.
1: Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so let's, um, you know, tonight's topic is early black bear hunting season. And, and uh, John, you want to describe real quick what the early bear hunting season is? Early bear
2: hunting season? Um, well, it's been around, I don't know how many years, four or five, six years now, something like yeah. that. Uh, it's a season in New York State. It's rifle season that starts the first Saturday after Labor Day, continues sixteen days. Therefore, it encapsulates three weekends.
1: Wow, you really know the amount of days. Like, what are you like? <laughs> I know a
2: lot of seasons, man.
1: <laughs> Did you know that Nate? Did you memorize the amount of days after that Saturday? I swear,
2: it's not written down. I from never... looked it up. Yeah, I, I think it was sixteen days, but
1: you guys have a syllabus yeah, I mean, in front of you? Like, I swear, no,
2: no, it's off the top of my head. like crap. No, and uh, it, it's really, I think it was initially targeted to um, combat some nuisance bear problems. Right around then, is a lot of farmers are... Having problems with sweet corn and stuff like that. Apples are coming in. So is it throughout the state? It's really our region. No, man. it's the southern. It's the. Yeah. It's our region. Yeah. Uh, it started out in three and four, I think, and then right. it might be a little further than that. Yeah, know, the,
4: the Adirondacks—they've got an early bear season too.
2: They've right? always had that. Yeah, that, isn't that yeah. part of their muzzleloader season? Yeah.
1: Okay, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> all right, so. So what made you – so where we met was – I won't say exactly where, but I usually do a trip every September. I've yeah, talked about it. I'm to go it. back yeah. there. Don't,
4: don't, don't spill the no, beans. No,
1: no, no, I can't. I like that, <laughs> that area too much as well. But every year in September, I do a trip. It used to be in July, but as I've gotten wiser and older – I like to believe i go when it's nice and cool out so now i go in september which sometimes coincides with the early bear hunting season so there i am i'm on my way out it's day three i only stay out for for three days two nights and i'm on my bearing and i see this shadow in the distance i'm like what the heck is this this person like i don't i never see anyone i mean Mm -hmm. you're off trail and I've never seen anyone while usually while while out there. And um there's this guy hunting and it's Nate Lode, i have never met him before. and uh we get talking, he's on my bearing, and I'm kind of confused about where I am because I I'm counting like paces in my head almost to see how much distance. And he's like, Yeah, no, you're right here. He brings up his phone, I'm like, Holy crap. <laughs> Jesus yeah. I wish I had I wish I had that. I mean okay, so that's where I am. But anyway we get talking and then that's uh and that's the story. That's how Nate's on the show. So, Nate, what drew you to the to the Catskills? Well,
4: you know, I was really naive or ignorant to the Catskills. I mean, I, obviously, I was aware of the Hudson River School of painters, which you yeah, know they kind of explored the region and, and made it somewhat famous to the world, I guess. And actually, it was the first big art movement in in America, the United States. And uh, but, anyways, having living living in Central New York and growing up in DC. I, I just never had like thought about visiting the Catskills or it was just not really on my radar, but I got asked to teach a painting workshop down the Catskills over the summer. So I went to the, uh, Sugar Maple Center for the Arts and taught a workshop down there. And, uh, when I drove down there the first time, I just remember thinking, Oh my gosh, these are mountains. I mean, I just, I, I didn't even, see, I guess I never really thought of them as being like really spectacular mountains by any means, but, uh, I was really, I mean, in awe, just uh, the kind of grandeur that they really was still visible, even without the uh, the eloquence of the Hudson River School painters. I mean, there, there's just a lot of grandeur in the mountains there. And uh, when I was going down there the first time, I stopped into uh, this gun shop because I was looking for um, Triple F or Double F black powder. And I saw a sign that said muzzleloader. And I was like, oh, this guy, George's Gun Shop. And I said, oh, I meant it. it's, like, by Grand George. And I thought, oh, maybe this guy would have some, you know, old black powder muzzleloader. And, um, anyways, he has three bear skulls on the wall. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And uh, he started telling me about all the bears. And he said, oh, yeah, we got lots of bears. And that kind of just, like, got the wheels turning in my head. But, um... You know, at that point, I wasn't really thinking, like, I'm going to go shoot a black bear. But that, that was what planted the seed and kind of got me thinking about, I don't know, there's a lot of bears. Well, anyways, then I taught the workshop, and everyone kept talking about how many black bears there were. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of black bears. And, yeah, I had a plan in my I was thinking about going out west to go elk hunting. So I have a good friend that lives out there, and, you yeah. know, he's in his early 70s, and, He's been there forty some years, and I mean, he knows the ropes, right? And without like a guide or someone that really knows what they're doing, it can be a really hard, hard task to go elk hunting. But I got in my head that I wanted to go on an adventure, and that wasn't going to happen because of other personal things in life, and you know, it's just a lot of time. And I got thinking that you know I could do like a, an adventure in the Catskills. I mean, they got this early bear season. I could go three days and just, you know, kind of primitive camp and just wander around through mountains. And so that was when the idea kind of first came to fruition. But uh, I, I really didn't decide to actually go until about the two weeks prior when I, I ordered a pair of boots on off Amazon. It was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need a pair of boots. And once I bought the boots, I was committed. I was like, okay, I'm going.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> what are your kids saying about uh, you going after the almighty
4: black bear? Oh, they were they I mean, they were so excited. They thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I mean they were like taking their teddy bear and putting it in that, to putting in their play oven and we we're eating it and <laughs> man, they, <laughs> they they really wanted to eat a bear. And I mean I you know, I don't like try and press anything upon them or anything. They just came up with that on themselves. So they drew a bunch of pictures and like uh they wanted me to carry these pictures with me. And so I carried these pictures that they had drawn of these black bears with me. And, of course, I had it in my shirt pocket. And, I mean, I was I started three days there, and I had the same shirt on all three days. And so when I yeah, eventually had a bear, they wanted a picture of me with their drawings in the bear. And I pulled those drawings out, and they were, I mean, the ink or the, what do they use, the the to draw them with, it was all running off the page because <laughs> all that sweat on my shirt. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, they still had the picture. So
1: I remember you saying uh, it was a lot steeper than you thought it was going to be, right? Or
4: oh yeah, I mean that's some that's some rugged country. I mean, I, I could not believe how rugged it was. I think you picked
1: a good spot. Yeah. I mean, geez, you really uh, you really picked it, like as far as the Catskills go, because. um... I see. I don't, I never want to say I see a lot. Whenever you know, but they're there. The black bears are in that area for sure.
4: Uh, yeah. I would. I would agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I've actually seen while hiking in that area more black bear than deer. The deer are kind of man. Out of all the years I've been going there, which is now since two thousand four, I've seen maybe a, a few deer. Uh, you know, that's about it, not many. Well,
4: i would never, you know, i would never been bear hunting other than I, I did go on a bear hunt in Virginia, West Virginia with hounds, but that's kind of a different thing. Uh, but I met the first day, I had met some hikers, a dad and a son, I assume, and uh, I was telling them that, you know, if I was deer hunting, I would be so incredibly discouraged because there was almost no deer sign. But as in terms of black bears, I just could not believe how much bear sign there was. I mean, as soon as I got, you know, parked the car and got 200 yards up the trail, I found bear scat. And, I mean, I was just, I could not believe it. My jaw dropped. I was like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. Oh, my gosh. You know, it, was like, it was like, it was unfathomable. And then I went a little bit further, and that was right in the middle of the trail. But it was probably weeks old. But then a couple hundred yards, there was a fret I mean, Fresh bear scat, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, they're here, they're alive!" You know, this is real. But uh, you, you know, when I I drove down there on a I hunted Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and so I left home around like uh, four something, four, and drove down there to get there. It's about two hours and twenty minutes. But um, when I was coming into the Cascades, was right, you know, first light, and I'm looking at these mountains, thinking. How in the world am I going to find a bear in all this landscape? I mean, it just seemed like impossible. Just looking at the mountain, just thinking like, how you know, especially September, you can't really see very far. So mm, yeah. I remember feeling like highly discouraged without even stepping foot, at, you know, out of the car. But uh, I, as like I said, I didn't sooner go 200 yards, and my my encouragement was through the roof. I was like, wow.
1: Hey, when you sent me the email, you, you well, we'll get into it later in the show that you were successful. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because you know, to actually go somewhere you never been, and to get a black bear, I think is kind of kind of cool. Um,
4: oh yeah, and I mean, I, you know, part of just modern technology, I did all my scouting on you know on the on the internet on the phone basically.
1: Well, how'd you do and, that? Uh, how'd you do that? How? Yeah. how well. You don't have to say where again, but yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was, like, looking at, okay, I'm going to go, you know, everything I read was basically the population density of black bears was the greatest in the Catskills compared to Adirondacks. I mean, Adirondacks has a far more history and lore in terms of bear hunting, but um, the Catskills, just with the expanding population from Pennsylvania and New Jersey, it's got the highest um, harvest harvest rate, so... I basically used the DEC website and looked at the harvest reports from going back to two thousand twelve and uh and I mean I looked at every year every year and just looked at the counties that had the most and then, you know, the September seasons and uh where they're harvested most. But um Yeah. When I when I kinda of settled on the Catskills region, I mean I the, the day before I had nineteen different spots picked out. You know, everywhere between the Hunter Hunter Wilderness area, the Indian Head Wilderness area, Slide Mountain Wilderness area, I mean, I was just looking for big chunks of, of public land with the least amount of trails or foot traffic. Because everything I read was, like, get as far away from people as possible. So I was just looking at kind of remote areas, and then I was looking for south-facing slopes because most of, like, your hickory and mass-producing trees I've read were tend to be on that south facing slope you know more sunlight and stuff but uh I mean yeah, the day yeah. before I just I mean I, I really just looking at the geogra- the geography and, and those slopes I was just like I gotta pick one of these spots And I, I mean I was kind of like eeny meeny mony bow and uh so yeah, the, the that's kind of how uh, I picked the spot
1: when I walked in which is day one off that that old forest road there was a guy gutting a black bear on the trail there.
4: Um, Yeah, I mean, I told you how encouraged I was when I found that bear scat 200 yards onto the trail, and when I stepped foot out of that truck, I mean, my my good friend Bob tells me, like, as soon as you step foot away from your truck, you're hunting, right, and you're hunting until you get back to your truck, literally, and so I was, you know, still hunting my way up that that logging road, and I saw that bear scat, and I was like, oh my God, so encouraged, and uh, I came over a deadfall, and I just saw one. I mean, it was probably three inches, but just one little slash of red on a rock. And uh, and then I looked more, and I, I saw some blood. And I mean, I knew it was a day old blood. It obviously wasn't that morning because I mean, I was there first light, but I knew it was the day. Be- it had been the day before, so that was really discouraging. I mean, <laughs> it was kind of like oh, I was all excited, all excited, excited. I saw that blood, and I was like. <laughs> Oh, I'm a day late, you know, it's like, oh, uh, this landscape. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, everything's been spoiled, you know? Well, yeah. and just reading about bears, you know, they don't have population densities like deer, you know, like you're not going to have 20 bears for a square mile like you would deer. And, uh, so I was, I, you know, I was, I was kind of discouraged thinking like, well, oh, maybe I should try somewhere else. I, you know, what are the chances there's going to be another bear? But, I mean, that was 30 minutes for me walking into the place, so obviously I kept going, but I just kept finding bear scat and rocks flipped over, and, you know, having never looked for bear sign until then, I could not believe how much bear sign I was seeing. And, you know, again, just not living somewhere where there's, you know, a lot of black bears, it had never really been on my radar. But, yeah, I was really encouraged just with all the sign I saw there.
1: Um, so you're going up the ridge and, and and what are you looking for now you're seeing sign you're seeing flipped over rocks you're seeing scat and, and and what what are you what are you thinking
3: well you know
4: the first thing everything I read about September bears and the guy at the George's gunshot told me that that's kind of the best time to hunt them if you're really targeting bears because black bears they're not like deer I mean Especially when you get in later season, they're you know they're moving a lot, but they can cover a lot of ground. I mean, they got a home range of twenty five miles, so they're going to be moving. But in September, I mean, and actually from their whole life, they pretty much are just focused on food. But September, there's just a lot of food, and they c- it can be a lot more concentrated. So I was really looking for their food sources, and every every pile of scatter came across had cherries in it. Oh yeah, so yeah. you know. It, it was Wasn't that incredible just, this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it was like every. I mean, I kept taking pictures of Bear scat and sending it as my wife. She was like, okay, i <laughs> Jesus, seen this bear guy scat. keeps sending he's, me Bear uh, Yeah. I was like, but look, here's a fresh <laughs> sign. Oh my gosh. There's more, there's more. And she's like, okay, I've seen enough. Kids are <laughs>
1: jumping up and uh, down, going crazy, putting more bears uh, in the microwave.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the yeah. Oven. <laughs> Well, and then I sent him a, a, a paw track, and I got into a wet spot, and then, I mean, that was like, this is real. I mean, this is like, this is foolproof evidence that there was a black bear here. But, uh, you know, it, again, in terms of just the forestry aspect, it was really interesting when I got down low, walking on the trails, a bunch of oaks, but they are red oaks, and I mean, acorns everywhere, but again, there's just, you know, red oaks are higher in tannins. Everything I read is... They're, you know, they're not a prime food source, but a lot of grapevine, too. And as I moved further up the mountain, you know, you started seeing a lot more beech, less oak, more beech. And then on top, I found a lot more cherries. But, um, you know, I was really looking for those beech and cherries because there's beech nuts in the bear as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, the biggest problem that I faced, uh, especially those first two days, was the wind. I mean, there was some serious wind. I mean, you know, there was gusts 25 miles per hour. I mean, the Saturday morning, I was on top of that mountain, and I was freezing. I mean, I could not believe how cold I was. Um, just the wind chill. And, you know, everything, I, again, I'm just going off of what I read on the Internet and listen to, you know, podcasts and everything. But all my knowledge pointed that a bear, they don't have great vision. They don't have great sense of hearing, but their sense of smell is, you know, immaculate so if they get wind of you it's game over and uh you know just being september low visibility kind of see you know 30 yards maybe that wind swirling and blowing it was like this is going to be a really challenge a big challenge but um yeah eventually you know i figured out some spots that looked promising and kind of went from there
1: yeah well if you're just tuning in uh you're listening to from the forest tonight's topic is early black bear hunting with nate loda we're gonna take a break but we got some more questions and we'll get into the uh the closing of of uh with with this black bear that uh that nate got up next and here's a song that uh my kids say that they're gonna play for me on my deathbed you believe this you believe this? they already have a song (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll be back down by europe if you're not motivated by that you need to check your pulse john <laughs> and uh that's the song that uh, my kids say they're gonna play on my deathbed you believe this those little Unreal. little gremlins i know they really are um so we're talking to uh, nate loda tonight about the early black bear hunting season and uh nate so you're going up the hill you're seeing bear sign knocking rocks over seeing rocks over rather seeing bear scat seeing cherry drops Uh, Some of the black cherry this fall was so thick in that area because I was there as well that you could smell them fermenting. The black bears are not eating them all. They they were getting overwhelmed. It's unreal.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too.
1: So, okay. Um, So tell us about what happened uh, leading up to this this bear you saw.
3: Well,
4: I, I mean, I saw the bear on the third day. So the first two, the first day I got there, I mean, I was gung ho. I hopped out of the car and I did I think I did about almost nine miles, I think eight point nine miles or something. Oh, yeah. But I went to the top of that mountain on that side and hiked all around. Lots of sign, but no bears. Again, the wind was a killer. But I, you know, I kind of was thinking maybe I'm going to go check this other spot across the road. So went down the mountain, went across the road. And I was like, I'm going to hike to the top of this mountain. And, I mean, that was like doodly-doo. And, I mean, I think it was like 1,400 feet. And I started from the bottom, and I I didn't get to the top. But on that side of the road, it was just on the opposite side. So that that side would have been east-facing. Man, I got on that side, and it was open hardwoods towards the lower elevations, big, you know, lots of acorns, big oak trees. But deer sign everywhere. I mean, deer scat, deer dropping, you know, deer tracks. You can see, I mean, game trails, but absolutely no bear sign. And eventually I got to the top where it was just laurel thickets. And I I mean, I tried to get through there and I love grouse hunting. And so I'm like beating through this thing. But the whole time I'm thinking, man, a bear is going to hear me from half a mile away at this rate. Uh, but I flushed the grouse, and that was like kind of, in a weird way, encouraging. I was like, oh, wow, grouse. Oh, man, this is cool. But eventually I was like, you know, i got to focus on bears. And the other thing I have in my head is I'm thinking about fishing. And, you know, old-timers say, don't leave fish to find fish. And I'm like, don't leave bear side to find bear side. I was like, I need to go back on the other side of this mountain, you know, back on the other side of the road. So mm-hmm. I climbed down there and got to the other side an hour before sunrise and I mean, I tried to get to halfway up that mountain, and, uh, you know, there was one section that, it did. I think it was 400 feet of elevation in, in less than 100 yards, so, I mean, that's some serious grade, and I was huffing and puffing, and it's at that point that I realized just how steep it was, and I was like, man, this is going to kill me, <laughs> but uh, I got to the top that evening, and I sat there, but again, the wind was just killer, and so I went back down. I had set up a camp base at my car and just kind of camped out of the car, uh, just because I, you know, I didn't really have gear. I don't have camping gear the backpack and being by myself. You know, that was kind of a, that'd be take a lot of logistics. You know, next year I think that's the way I'm going to try and do it. But um, yeah, this time I was just going on my car with what I had. So yeah, the next morning Saturday, I I wanted to get back to the top of that mountain. Because on that ridge top there was a bunch of really big cherries. And I was like, look, these bears are all eating cherries. That's going to be my best bet. There was, there was fresh sign up there. I got up there. I sat down. But, again, the wind, I mean, I had a wind checker going. You know, you're just puffing talcum powder or whatever. And uh, the wind was just swirling everywhere. I mean, there was just no way to, like, you know, pattern the wind. So, at, at that point, I remembered finding this spot that was kind of on a saddle, just below a saddle between two ridges and it ha- it was like a, you know, it looked like maybe like a dried up spring, just kind of swampy, but a little bit more open, some hemlocks in there and I thought, you know, if I get down there I might be able to get a little bit out of the wind but I could also see for about 70 yards. I mean, there's a couple windows where I could see, you know, further than let's say 30. So I went down there and, you know, I said I'm gonna sit here the whole day because the the day before I met a guy and on the trail and he was like, oh yeah, you'd probably be, you'd probably be good just to, you know, sit, find a spot and sit there all day. And and I had never sat, I mean, I'd never done an all day sit hunting anything. So I was like, I'm gonna sit here. I'm really not that great of like a, a sitter. I mean, I don't like to be moving and stuff. So I sat there and about eleven AM I saw the absolute largest porcupine I'd ever seen in my life. I mean <laughs> that thing was at sixty five yards and I swore it, it was bigger than my dog, which is sixty pounds. But um you know, that that was the only I didn't see anything else and that's actually when I met you, Ryan, and which was funny because earlier in the morning, about noon, the same spot where you'd popped out I'm sitting there against, I got my back to a tree uh watching this little open area, and I hear something, I'm like, oh, there's something over there, and I look over and there pops up two guys, and I mean, they're standing there, and they stood there for an awkward amount of time, I mean, it was just kind of like, I mean, I had a blaze orange on, I got a vest, I got a hat, I got the hat wrapped there on my head, because dang mosquitoes are biting me, and, uh. And i mean, like, they just kept standing there. It was just kind of, like, awkward. So I, I'm waving. I was like, I'm going to get up. I get up, and I go over and talk to them. They're super nice. And Nate and Nick were their names. And they were young guys, probably younger than me. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, we're bear hunting. But, you know, the funny thing about it is, like, these two uh, kids, I don't, they're not really kids, but young men, they didn't even have a backpack. I, I, you know, they had T-shirts on, and they didn't have any water. I'm thinking in my head, like, how are these people up here? Because, yeah, that's a good hike to just to get up to where I was. But, anyways, they were saying that, um, yeah, you probably had good luck just staying right here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try. So I sat there all day and didn't see anything. But that's when, you know, out of that same spot, I met Ryan and – uh I mean, you you know, Ryan, not to do any disservice to your image, but you looked like Rip Van Winkle coming out of the bush. I mean, you're like whacking away, you know, hitting all these little saplings. And I'm like, who is this guy? Because you're like the polar opposite. You got this pack on. You just got your head down on your compass. Like, you know, I mean, you're like really trying to get somewhere. I'm like, this guy's on a mission. But anyways, uh, you know, we had a nice, nice talk and you're the one that, I mean, you're the one that said, you know, in my observation, it seems like the bears tend to be going down the mountain in the evening and coming up in the morning. So that was like, my that was, you know, again, just taking that the heart. I was like, well, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to get off this mountain and then I'm going to come up here at first light. Yeah, I'm going to be up here at first light and you just, you know, see, because I could see fresh tracks uh, even from Saturday from the day before passing through that little clearing. I was like, this is going to be my best bet. Plus, it was, gonna be less, it was forecast to have less wind on Sunday.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, that that was my kind of approach to take. And, yeah, it was funny because Saturday when I met you, you were trying to get to the trail. And, I was, and at that time, I had stood up and I left my pack and I had actually started to look for that trail because I was thinking, you know, when it starts to get dark, I'm going to need to find that trail to get down here because I really don't want to be stumbling around this mountain because, I mean, there were some bluffs that – if you walked off that thing, or you know, you took a slip, you would be in serious trouble. And uh, and I ended up, you know, getting really turned around. I mean, I don't think I told you that, but I got onto a different logging road that was higher. Yeah. And I mean, I and at that point it was dark, and I'm like, oh crap. And uh, and I did take it. I did. I hit a little rock scree and slipped, and man, I hit my elbow real pretty good, and and I had been working on this rifle for the last year, and I put a real nice bear scratch, I mean, right in the stock, I mean, it was a, it was a big, it was a nice bear scar, but uh, you know, I get a little memory getting down that mountain that night, but uh, that was kind of my plan of attack, and so I went back, you know, Sunday morning, I got up real early, and again, I first thing in the morning, I got my headlamp on real low, and I just climbed that real steep grade part. And, I mean, I got that headlamp looking at my feet because there are rocks and boulders, and you got to really check your footing. And I was, I mean, I'm not kidding you. I was less than a yard. I mean, I was less than three feet from stepping on a porcupine because thing was sitting in the middle of the trail. And I mean, I jumped back, and I was like, "Ah, oh gosh!" And, uh, <laughs> you know, that that really kind of woke <clears throat> me up at five five thirty in the morning. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: sure. There's some big ones out there, no doubt.
4: It also... Well, that was the third one I'd seen. I'd seen a porcupine every day, and I mean, I I never seen a porcupine other than dead on the road. So to see him in the wild, the day before, one scared the bejesus out of me because it jumped on a tree. At you know. Same thing at five o'clock in the morning. It was dark. I'm walking up the trail. I just hear (laughs) it. And they had jumped on the tree and was climbing up the tree. and I mean, just a couple feet from me. I'm like, whoa, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, they don't like to move. They just sit there on the trail, you know, a lot of times. I don't know. Yeah,
4: I posted a little video. This one, I mean, I I had to talk to him to get him to move. I mean, he walked five feet from me and just sat there and sat back on his haunches and just looked at me. (laughs) I'm like, hey, come on, get out of here. Hey, I won't shoot you if you don't shoot me. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: There you are in the darkness yelling at a porcupine.
4: Oh, yeah. That's part of the adventure, you know. Uh, I, I mean, for me, that's why you get out there. You just... Can't imagine the random thing you're going to see and encounter that you just you're not going to experience from the couch of your home.
2: So, oh, go on, Johnny, say something. No, I was I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. You're getting up there in the dark, and did you make it before daylight to your spot? Oh yeah, yeah,
4: Yeah, I did, and uh, you know I had to give a shout out to my buddy Nate because the week before I was at his dad's retirement party. And uh, I was telling him I was like, I'm going to go on a bear hunt. You know, I had just gotten these boots off Amazon, which I I already knew that was a mistake because as soon as I got them, I put them on and did like two mile hike in the rain, and of course I had blisters the next morning. So I'm like dating my feet like that whole week before, trying not trying to get these blisters to heal, which <laughs> didn't do much good because you know by the end of three days they were bleeding anyway. So right, but right. I, I was at this retirement party. And he was showing me his on X, and he's like. You need to get on OnX. And I mean, if I didn't have that OnX app on my phone, uh, it would have been a lot, uh, you know, I could have done it and I had a compass and stuff and I had a map that I was going to use my, you know, compass like Ryan was doing. But man, that, that app made it a lot easier. <laughs> and, uh, I was using that to get around even in the dark because it just kind of gave you a pinpoint location. And I had dropped the pin of, where i wanted to get up to in the morning so but even with that i mean i got turned around several times i could not believe it because i got a pretty like decent sense of direction but man when you're going up something in the dark and in the woods and yeah i don't know september there's just leaves everywhere you can't really see any any distance it can be tricky but no, i got up there and uh sat down in my little spot that i had sitting there and
1: what made you sit
4: there what made you
1: sit there uh
4: well, again, it was, I was just sitting my back to tree and I could like see. I mean, I had, I had <laughs> about a 75 yard vantage where there was actually a little bit of a clearing and I was probably, I was probably 55 yards from that clearing. Yeah. Or now, I mean, it was probably about 60. And then that clearing was probably 20 yards wide. And, um, and I had about like two or three shooting lanes basically or little windows. Yeah, and sure. I just thought, like, that would give me the most distance to be, you know, far enough back that, you know, if a bear is crossing, they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't win me. I mean, I was downwind of that, and that's kind of the biggest thing I had in my mind. But even saying that, 20 yards in front of me and 20 yards behind me, there was bear scat. So, I mean, you know, they they were going through that area in general, but... Yeah, I mean, that spot just kind of had a good little advantage of this of this clearing, you know. So did you
1: hear it first before you saw it or vice versa?
4: You know, I, it was, uh, I think I shot the bear at 7, 7.15 or something. But, I mean, I would already been there probably two hours. It had been light for over an hour and a half or so. And, I mean, I had already, like, I had already been defeated. I mean, I was already thinking, okay, I'm going home empty-handed. My girls are going to be so upset. It, you know, <laughs> what, I mean... I can't be too upset. I was thinking in my head, I can't be too upset. I mean, what would be the chance of really seeing a bear? I mean, three days going to some random place you've never been. Right. I mean, you know, it, I, I've, I've had a great time, but I mean, I was already thinking, I'm not going to kill a bear. This is not going to happen. And then, I mean, like so many hunting experiences, it just in one second, I mean, a blink of the eye, I just saw this black thing. And I mean, it happened exactly how I visioned it in my head. I see this clearing. There's three windows that I could see, you know, three basic shooting lanes. And, I mean, I played it over my head that this bear is going to cross from right to left, which would have been coming up the mountain, right, in the morning. And uh, I just see this black thing cross this one window. And it's, I mean, it's moving. It's like in a, a trot, you know. And, I mean, in my head, I just went like, bear. I mean, I just could not believe it, bear. And, I mean, that gun got up and... It took one pause for a second. And, um, and you know, I had, I had used, the, when the guy at the gun shop, he had told me that he had some scent lures. And in New York State, you can carry up to one and a half ounces of a scent lure. And you can't use bait, but you can use a scent lure. And he had told me of some, like, you know, miracle snake poison or, you know, whatever. <laughs> great, great stuff that you could spray. He's like, oh, yeah, these guys bought this last year. They, they shot a bear the next day. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't go by – I even told them I was going to come by and buy some. But uh, I didn't end up hunting up there, so I didn't go by a store. But I read that they really like anise oil. So I had, like, got some anise oil and put it in a little jar. And when I got out that spot, I had sprayed some on a log just like, you know, or maybe this is going to attract them, right? And uh, so when that bear crossed that first window, he got to that second little window I had to shoot through, and he paused for, I mean, a split second and you could see his nose go up and hit, you know, start checking the wind and just smelling. And at that point I got the rifle up and then he, he took probably two steps in a, in a trot. And I mean, I just squeezed the trigger and, and then, uh, he, he took a, he did run. He went about 20 yards from there, but you know, everything again, I read was, uh, you know, bears, black bears, they make it, that they call a death moan. So, I heard him doing the death modes, but at that point, I was running because my thought was like, if that bear gets out of sight, I mean, unless you got a, a real good blood trail, it, you could have a really hard time. And I I mean, I really wasn't sure. Like I said, it was kind of moving when I shot. So I saw where it kind of had run off to. So I was trying to get around a tree to like see over there. But I mean, as soon as I went 10 yards, I saw I was lying there. Oh, well,
1: he must That's have been in it. disbelief. Like, oh, like this is actually oh, yeah. a bear like, after three days? You come like to the, the random Mary and the Catskills. I mean, not totally random, but you know, it's, it's crazy.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, when that thing crossed my head, I mean, I had already like mentally given up. I mean, I, but when I saw that, I mean, my head was just like bear, and I I could not believe it. I mean, it was just like wow. And and you know, I, I did a lot of research, and um, the number one thing about judging black bears is they're really hard to judge a black bear, you know, in terms of judging the size of a bear. And when you add distance, it can be really difficult just yeah. because their fur is so black, it absorbs sunlight, and, and without something to reference them, you know, I read that if you can reference them against something that you have a known, you know, a known size of, like if they're hunting mane over bait, you got a barrel, you can judge them, you know, based off the barrel, but... I read a lot about ground strings, my good friend Bob, you know, he, he shot a great big bear and gets up to that great big bear and it's like, you know, an 80-pound cub, basically. <laughs> like, oh, geez. But, uh, you know, when I looked at it, and, and I had gone into it thinking, like, I don't, you know, everyone wants to shoot a big bear. And, of course, you tell somebody you shot a bear, the first thing they ask is, oh, how big was it? I mean, it's just like a given that, you know, any bear you see is going to be a big bear, Right. But uh, when I got that bear, I mean, I kind of, my heart just sunk because it was not a big bear, right? I mean, it was about a 100-pound bear. And, um, you know, I had, like, told myself that I saw a 100-pound bear, which is going to be about a year and a half old, which it's the most harvested bear in the state because, uh, you know, they're young males. They just get moving a lot. Right. But, um, you know, it is what it is, and I shot the bear. and you know hindsight i'm gl- i'm really glad it did because even at 100 pounds you know i i hung it up and dressed there and stuff but man that pack i mean that was almost two miles not quite as like 1.8 and 1.9 miles up there but it took a lot to pack that bear off that mountain you know so
2: yeah absolutely if it was
4: much bigger i would have been i've been really hurting the next day
2: i tell you it's tough it's definitely tough Everybody at camp that I hunt with always says, Well, I want to shoot a 400 pound bear. I said, No, you don't. You You definitely don't. No, you don't. You got the perfect bear. I think a small
1: bear is a perfect bear. And it's only one man. I mean, you know, you're one guy. What are you going to do? You know, you get a 300, 200. Two hundred pound bear,
2: it's tough. I, I shot yeah. one two days ago or three days ago. That was 150, 175. one seventy five. I'm glad there was a second person with me. Yeah, I mean, I could have done it, but oh man, would that suck? Nate, this show
1: uh, flew by. We got about a minute left, real quick on on eating the bear. You know, I know yeah. someone out there has a question about that. How has it been? And have your daughters enjoyed it?
4: Oh yeah. You know, I mean, th- that was again one of the most intriguing aspects of it. Was, like I've heard the gamut of Bear is basically inedible, and bear is absolutely delicious. So I wanted to find out for myself. So I read that the the number one most important thing about a black bear is getting it cooled as fast as possible. And I mean, you see a lot of pictures of guys, you know, standing over dead bears, and you're just thinking, "Oh my gosh, that bear's gonna taste horrible," because you know it's a day later and they still got the hide on it. So I skinned and quartered it, and basically deboned it, packed it off, and. It is absolutely the best game meat I've ever had. I mean, I don't know if it's just an age thing, a diet thing, a September. There's just not much fat on that bear. You know, if it was in the, you know, no, even November, it probably would have had a lot more fat on it. But, oh, yeah, my wife has already told me. I, I She said, I don't care what you have to do, but you have to kill another bear. You know, preferably maybe a little bit bigger next year. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, awesome yeah.
1: That's really awesome. If we had more time, I'd get more into that aspect of it. Um, Unfortunately, we're all out of time. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah,
4: hey, my pleasure. Yeah, we'll do it again. Yeah, well, you get one one
1: next year. Let's do it. Maybe I'll meet you in the middle of the woods again uh, on my
4: bearing there. Who knows? Well, yeah, sounds good, although I don't want you killing my bear, you
1: know. No, hey, maybe maybe I'll drive one to you. I don't know.
4: Oh, well, there we go. We can work that way
1: out. All right. Hey, take care.
4: Hey, thanks, Ryan. Take care, John. All right. Have a good night.
1: And yeah, uh, you. if you just missed the show, that was uh, Early Bear Hunting with Nate Loda. And um, see you next week. Have a good night.
3: Oh, the neon lights were flashing, and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. Then the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. Faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in
0: from the forest. Delia IOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and northern Ulster counties, with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features, all in the Mountain Eagle. Chappie's Good Food on Main Street in Roxbury for lunch, dinner, and cocktails, and Chappie's sister restaurant, the Old Mill Steakhouse just around the corner on Bridge Street. Chappie's open every day. The Old Mill Steakhouse, open on weekends. 607-326-7020 or chappiesgoodfood.com. WIOX Roxbury is supported by you and a really easy way to